Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You're very welcome back to Drive Talking uh, here across your favorite podcast apps, whatever they are. Who knows? Anyhow, uh, the Drive Talking crew is back and joining me right now is Miss Caroline Kidd of cartel.ie, changinglanes.ie, and of course, the wonderful Drive Talking. Caroline, how were your holidays? Oh, I had a great time. I was in Berlin for a few days, so I was on the trail of the tray. Um, and I saw lots of other automotive delights as well. So it was really yeah. fantastic. I, I, I wasn't spying on you, but I, I did notice on Instagram, place like that, that you were you were posting various photographs of even Porsches. And I was like, did, did you go visit the Porsche Museum? But clearly you didn't if you were just around kind of Berlin and all the rest. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I just went to Berlin to see some of the sites. But of course, inevitably, I ended up, you know, being drawn into car things as you do. So I went into the Volkswagen Group Automotive Forum on Unter den Linden and they had some really lovely displays, lovely concept cars. That was a Porsche Boxster design study. I think it was shown at the Detroit Auto Show in 93 or something. And yeah, it was really lovely place. Fantastic exhibition, highly recommended. Well, Caroline, do you know what, for a quiz later on, I'm delighted to hear that you've been brushing up in your car history because that's going to be ultimately important later on. Right, moving on to the other guy in the room, the other guy, the cr- king of crank himself, Mr. <laughs> Neil Briscoe. Uh, <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> Sorry, that, that, was, that, that wasn't too unfair that you were the guy, Caroline. I'm the other guy of the other guys. Um, but Neil, every, Neil. Every, everybody gets fair warning. I was on a Ryanair red eye last night. I got home at two o'clock. I'm really tired. I could end up calling people Catherine at random. So, you know, it's just just fair warning. I'm, I'm, I'm in a cranky kind of mood. Don't start bringing up SUVs. OK, well, well we do. We do have plenty of stuff. Actually, we, we have one SUV on the uh, running order for this week. OK, folks, coming up in this week's show, uh, we will be talking about ice car sales. Uh, we'll be talking about new Coopers that are soon to appear on roads around Europe, around the world, wherever else. And of course, we have a nice round of reviews coming in from Neil Briscoe and Caroline Kidd, including the Suzuki S-Cross, the VW Transporter and the BMW i4 M50. Looking forward to hearing about that. I mentioned the quiz already. Yes, there will be some history questions coming up and we know that Caroline Kidd will not be giving out about how old our questions are. This is car history. You should know this. It's like the leaving cert of drive talking. Uh, and then, of course, we have our interview. We'll be talking to Mr. Ian Beattie. Um, Neil Briscoe went out to talk to him um, about BMW M1 Pro Car at Goodwood. Very interesting interview. And I'm looking forward to listening to that a little bit later on. Okay, um, let's, let's start it off. What I didn't mention there was, and I can't believe it, right? So, guys, here's what happened. Last week, we said we'd take a week off, a well-deserved week off. And to be honest with you, I'm feeling good about myself at the moment. I, I feel I got my shit back in order. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Oh, but that then, sounds wonderful. I, I know. But then the Monday, Caroline, that we we're supposed to host our last podcast, but we took off. That particular Monday, news breaks. I pick up the Irish Times and I read an article from one Mr. Neil Briscoe. And inside it, it says, DeLorean have launched something new, something sweet, the Alpha 5. Neil, what can you tell us about the DeLorean Alpha 5? Well, it's a bit of an odd one, this, because I I don't want to, you know, go down the the vaporware route that that you kind of easily could with a car like this, because it's, 
yes, it's been announced and there does seem to be some money behind it. And there are serious people involved in it. Like the, the styling of this new Alpha 5 has been done by Ital Design, which is the, the great Italian design company formed by the equally great Giorgetto Giugiaro, one of the greatest car designers of all time, the man who designed the original Golf, the original Lotus Esprit, and the original, the original DeLorean. DeLorean yeah. So, yeah, so it, there's, there's, there's proper heritage going in here. And the people who are running it, I mean, the, the, the CEO of the company that's been set up to, to build this new car is a, a, a Dutch guy called Joost de Vries, Who's uh, previously worked with Tesla and Karma? So there are, you know, there are there are serious people behind this, and it's they're making big claims. They're 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 pitching it as a rival to Mercedes and to Porsche, and obviously to Tesla as well. Um, it, it, but it, I don't know. It has the whiff of it has the whiff of you know the the kind of motor show show pony to me about it. It the car looks nice, albeit it looks nothing like a DeLorean. Other than that, it, it has gull wing doors. Other than that, there is no kind of design reference. There is no kind of family lineage going on to that original DMC12. Uh, and there's there's no there's chance impressive... of it being, there's no chance of it being built in Belfast either, is there? Well, sadly not. I mean, you know, I'd be up for that. Come on, let's 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 get some car production <laughs> back to Belfast, guys. Let's 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 reopen that wee factory there, lads. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't do that. Um, but there's some impressive performance figures. They talked about 100 kilowatt hour battery pack, a range of 500 kilometers, silly zero to 100 kilometer an hour time. They're actually quoting a zero to 88 mile per hour time because, of course, they are because it's a DeLorean and they're referencing Back to the Future. But it just, uh, I don't know, this, 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 this has a very strong whiff of a big announcement that ultimately doesn't lead anywhere. I, I that's what I fear for this uh, well, is that. It, Gonna kind of, it's gonna kind of peter out uh, with just not enough sales to sustain a brand new brand like this. In in fairness to DeLorean, that they, they have been uh, mooting this concept car for quite a long time. Like, I mean, I I remember even getting in touch with them maybe six years ago or thereabouts. Uh, the Texas, the guys, they're in Texas, isn't that right? They're in around Texas. Um, yeah, the, the the company, the company that that sort of bought up all the spares yeah. and remanufactured some of the parts for the originals, uh, they're out in Texas. Yeah, and there is some connection, I believe, to between that company and the company that's making the new one, but it's not it's not necessarily a direct link. Yeah, but but look, uh, look, there there is a nostalgic thing there, and obviously it looks nothing like the um like the old DeLorean. But the fact that they've reintroduced those going doors, the fact that it's going to hold the DeLorean badge, which by the way, to anyone who knows the story, like I mean that that that's that's an interesting story. Uh, you've got crime, you've got drugs, you've got uh, you've got uh, sectarianism probably somewhere sprinkled into the mix as well. All this stuff going on behind DeLorean itself, um, I. Think think to a certain degree it'll be a nostalgia car to actually turn around and say it's going to compete with porsche or even with tesla i don't think there's a chance however i do see them succeeding as a company caroline any thoughts on the new uh, delorean um what do you think will we ever see it here i think it's super cool um i'd love to see it back and i think the market is ripe for an exciting um performance electric car like that you know I think we've seen lots of new entrants and new brands so I think there's no reason why DeLorean couldn't come and sell that and do well with it there's lots of people with plenty of money to spend on a on a uh, luxurious fairy tale car like a DeLorean 
And that raises a great question, which I didn't write down in my notes. And, and I doubt either of you have an answer to this, right? Neil, if I'm not mistaken, we're still kind of a concept stages here with this. It's, it's not in production as of yet. But if no, it were to not. be in production, if it were to be in production, so when, when we talk about competing with the likes of Porsche and Tesla, are we talking about Porsche and Tesla prices, do you think, if it was uh, to ever come to the fore? I would say almost certainly. I mean, that what they're talking about doing at the moment is the first, and needless to say, it's the first 88 examples, because 88 miles an hour, um, you, they're going to actually not even be road legal. They're going to be sold off as collector's items. There's wow. some kind of non-fungible token thing that's going on with it, which just, that makes my teeth itch when people start saying things like that, because honestly, that's just, ugh, that just sounds like snake oil to me. Um, after that, they say there will be road legal versions. They will uh, do an inevitable SUV model, because obviously that's what they need to start generating sales volume. It just, I, I don't know, there's a strong smell of flimflam going off this for me. I, I hope to be proved wrong. It would be fantastic. It would be great to see, you know, the DeLorean name actually properly brought back, actually properly make a competitive car, a car that's actually good to drive because the original wasn't. It looked great, but it was a terrible thing to drive. Oh, dude, Dreadful 2.9 V6 engine. <laughs> oh, what a box of... Anyway, um, it's just... <laughs> I'm going to get Neil, so much hate mail. Neil, Neil, we'll say agree with you, right? So I, I've had the pleasure of, and I call it a pleasure of driving one, right? And and I can't say that I was surprised because I'd read enough about the DeLorean to know that it's a shitbox really, right? Um, however, I had the pleasure of driving one. An owner in Wicklow allowed me to drive one for some filming I did, or sorry, that I was part of with uh, TG Carr, and I was allowed to drive it, and it was great, right? However... It was like, no, you can only drive from here to here and that's it. And don't touch the car. Don't ever touch the car because you, you know, you said you like you, you've been up, I, I assume both of you have been up close and personal, maybe to one or two of them. But the second you touch it, your prints are all over that car. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's tear. It's like, you've got to nearly be opening the door with a cloth in my hand, a fiber cloth or something like that. So I can open it. But even then you'd worry about it. Um, but I have to say, right. So it was a shit box. But there's yeah. no better feeling in the world, man. It's it's <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like it's like you're you're sitting in like my favorite movie ever was probably Back to the Future growing up, and you know never mind the but, stories of John DeLorean or whatever, which actually make it even more interesting. Um, mm -hmm. You just feel good driving that shitbox. I think I think I have the secret to 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 make this DeLorean an actual bestseller. I think they could beat Tesla on on sales if they if they if they follow my careful instructions, which is when you pop the gullwing door and you sit into the cabin, the stereo will automatically play the first couple of bars of Alan Silvestri's theme from Back to the Future. There you go. That's it. Bang. Yes. Instant bestseller. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> my commission my commission check is in the post. And the funny thing is that's exactly what Elon Musk would do if he had the car. Okay, mm. come on. In fairness, he, he's he's got that to edge to him. Uh, the, the other thing as well is the speedometer. I wonder will it only go up as far as eighty five? And because <laughs> that was the thing about the DeLorean as well. We kept seeing about eighty eight miles an hour. Eighty five was was the top of the speedometer. Um. So yeah, that's it. Right. Let's move on. Um. Ice car sales to stop in twenty thirty five. Now we actually spoke about this over the last few weeks. Uh, prior to our holidays, prior to us all re energizing and everything else like that. But it's been agreed now in Europe that that the sales of ICE vehicles will stop in 2035. However, no law has been made as of yet. Um, any insight from either of you, and feel free to speak, um, about how it'll actually work? 
Well, it, 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 it's almost law in that the European Parliament has voted for it. But that's not that doesn't make it a law. That, that yeah. What happens when you vote for something in the European Parliament is it then goes back to the uh, Council of Europe, which is the, the foreign ministers of every EU country. Um, and then once they've agreed on it, it had, then has to be translated into law, into national law at, 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 at each nation level. So there's still a lot of time for watering down, which is a bit of a concern, because obviously there is, you know, there are powerful lobbies at work in the background here. And petrol head though I am, I think you know we should be saying this is this is what we need to do. This is what we have to get to. Um, and okay, maybe maybe just for an allowance, maybe it should be ninety nine percent. You know, maybe we could keep an, an odd V twelve and V eight here and there, but that's maybe up for debate. But yeah, I think you know they they just. I mean, the time for discussing this has passed. It's long passed. We need we need this. We have to do this. Um, um you know, the, the cars are there. The, the electric, however difficult it is to buy a new car at the moment, for, you know, either from a, an affordability perspective or just from actually physically getting hold of one, the electric cars are now there and good enough. You know, what we need now is the backup. We need that proper national charging network, not just fast chargers, but slow chargers as well, uh, and home chargers, just as importantly. And then we can actually just fecking get on with this. And 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 remove the the pollution and climate debate from motoring, which would just be a wonderful thing. You know, it would be brilliant. We could drive guilt free. It would, and it would mute out a lot of noise that's out there at the moment. Plus, as you said, guilt free. It's time we started doing good for the environment that we live in. Uh, Caroline, in, t- in terms of right phasing out existing vehicles right now, and, and this is, I want your thought process on this because I, I'm I'm not sure if our governments have actually thought enough about it either. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, how do you phase out existing ICE vehicles right to begin with, or do you think that by 2035 we're all going to be at a stage where 90% of cars are going to be electric anyway yeah this i think that dara um i would say like the game is up for the petrol and diesel engine you know and i think the transition is happening faster than expected as well isn't it and i think most people now are are at a point where they're they're ready if if they can get their hands on an ev that's affordable and as neil said yes we need the home chargers um a more robust public charging system and all all of that but i think you know this is 2022 like 2020 2035 seems like ages away so i think everyone will be driving electric by then I think it's like that's going to be a completely different era. As the parent of a 16-year-old, I can tell you that 2035 is not very far away. Oh, there's the crank again. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. No, I, I, as it happens, I, I was speaking to a member of the team in Opal Ireland there recently enough, and I didn't realize this, but they're actually trialing. Do you remember? I, I keep going on about these lamppost charge points, but it's actually being trialed in Dublin around the Docklands at the moment. Um, so, Caroline, what you mentioned there in terms of like, I mean, getting the charging facilities in place and things like that. Hopefully, if these trials are successful, and I can only see success from because there's bloody lampposts everywhere in Ireland uh, and across the UK as well and across Europe as well. It just 
makes sense. And then that allows for people who are in apartments, et cetera, to actually go out and charge. I know if you own an electric car, you should have a charge point at home, but not everyone has that luxury. Even if you're renting a house, you just can't turn around to the landlord and say, here, throw in a charge point. It doesn't work like that. Okay, let's move on. Um, more news from Polestar. Um, Polestar 3 has been revealed. Uh, any updates? When's it coming? When are we getting it? When are we going to see it? When are we going to say, when, when are we going to start giving out about it or com- complimenting it? Um, what's the Jack and Ori on that? Well, we seem to be talking about Polestar a lot, which... Yeah. But I, I kind of that's fine by me because I, I I really like what they're doing. I think that's it's a really interesting company. Um, so this is the three. It's their first SUV. Hey, it's an SUV. I don't really mind um, because I think it'll actually be quite nice. It's going to arrive, I think, late next year. Uh, it's going to be based on the same platform as the next generation Volvo XC90. Although the Polestar will only have five seats, the XC90, of course, will continue as a seven seater. They're talking about a roughly kind of 600 kilometer one charge range, but they're not talking yet about performance or precisely how big the battery will be. It'll initially come as a two motor four wheel drive model. And then later on, there'll be slightly more affordable um, single motor uh, rear wheel drive models. So it's kind of, it, oh, I mean, all we can see so far is that profile pick, which has been circulating online. And it, yeah. it like, like it, it's nice that it kind of moves the Polestar styling on from the Volvo clone of the two. But yeah, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of quite keen on this. Okay, so you see me pointing at you. Do you ever watch Family Guy where the monkey's out pointing and the figure's shaking and all the rest? It's a bit that's scary, Dara, when I, you do that's, that. That's the point. That looks a bit weird as well. But, <laughs> Neil, I have a bone to pick with you, which I will do in one moment. Look, one of the great things about Polestar is it's ran by a, a guy who knows design, uh, which is always going to help. Um, so, yes, it does look good. Caroline, what, what do you think? And I'm going to put my finger back up in a minute after we finish talking about Cooper because... Caroline, you'll enjoy what I'm about to say as well. Uh, what, what, what are you thinking about the Polestar? Well, I was looking forward to this discussion because I thought well, Polestar 3 is an SUV, so this is going to set Neil off, isn't it? But actually, it's going to set me off because when I looked at the photos <laughs> of it, it's not as sexy as a Polestar 2. You know, it's no way near. I, I'm I'm not a fan of this. Really? Polestar 3 so far. Yeah. Now, I know it it's losing that Volvo look, um, but maybe I like that quite angular Volvo look of the Polestar too. So I'm not convinced yet. It looked a little bit, I suppose it's just a big family wagon, isn't it? You, you are quite right. Square cars are better inherently. It's just it's just a fact of mm. nature. But uh, I know I, I like I, I like I like this kind of shovel nose look that they're doing. They're doing away with the grill. They've got these little angular headlights. I, I it's I mean okay. We need I look. Wait, there's only so many conclusions we can draw for the moment because literally all we can see is the side of the car. You know when we can see the rest of it, maybe we can make a slightly mm. better judgment. But I'm surprised at you. I thought that would have yeah. been right up your street, Neil. I'm actually mm. more surprised at you. Uh, saying that you yes. like an SUV, it, like this doesn't happen that often. Although, sorry, Caroline, I, I have to, I have to say, I think it's a very attractive looking car. Um, okay. However, I agree with you. I love, I love Volvo. I love, I love Volvo's cars. I think, I think the S ninety is lovely. Maybe a little bit questionable of the bit the back of it, um, like like the way I was questioned about the back of the old Skoda Superb, um, but the V ninety is unbelievable. It's so nice. It's so good. 
anyway, so it's so that story's done. That's great. We can move on, right? Um, we so murdered going back that to, story. I, yeah, well, yes. But, I did. Yeah. So I'm back pointing my finger again. So um, just a quick question. Yeah. Is a crossover an SUV? Yes. Yes. Okay. The EV6. I am currently on Kia Ireland's <laughs> website, okay? I am on Kia Ireland website, okay? You ready? And the opening line on the EV6. The EV6 is a fully electric crossover from Kia, which marks a new era and sets standards for years to come. Get inspired by the eye-catching and distinctive design. I'll just go back to that first line again. The EV6 is a fully electric crossover from Kia. Okay, Neil? Okay? No, it's not. They're lying. They're just they're just using marketing flim flam to say, look, look, everybody, we've got a crossover, we've got an SUV. You all like crossovers and SUVs, right? We've got one here. That's all they're doing. It's not a crossover. It's a big hatchback. It is. It is. It is a modern day Rover SD1. I am telling you. Oh, and there is Neil. no way. There is no way on earth that the the Kia EV6 could be a crossover if the Hyundai Ioniq isn't. And I mean, and the Hyundai Ioniq. <laughs> Isn't because that's a big hatch too, and it's a hundred millimeters taller than the EV6. Ergo, EV6 cannot be a crossover. Uh, I, I'm sorry, listen, Neil. Even when you're wrong, you're right. Is, is that your viewpoint on life in general? Like, I mean, it, like what? No, you're wrong. I, like, I'm sorry, you're wrong. No, never wrong. me up here. It's actually a CUV, which is a crossover utility vehicle. Now. There's a new that's, word for you. That's the word Ionic the 5 is a CUV. <laughs> Ionic 5 is a CUV. Very good. They are both, they are both, I'm sorry, BHVs, big hatch vehicles. Done. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm on I'm on both Hyundai.ie and Kia.ie, and there is no mention whatsoever of a big hatch vehicle. It's all CUV, <laughs> as rightly said by Caroline a moment ago for the Ionic 5. Crossover is the way Kia Ireland describes the EV6. Neil. You have lost That's, this one. No, you've lost. It's just marketing bump. It is not that you can't <laughs> take that stuff. It's like that's like quoting the brochure in the road test. That's just no. I'm sorry. No. 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 We're not having this. And oh. we now have your buzzer noise. Hold on. That's just Caroline, marketing. Caroline, Caroline's giving a royal wave there. Can I? Can yes. I ask a question? Her Royal Highness has a question to ask. Um, that's what would Neil class a jaguar i-pace then as what what's that neil yeah i, I i'd put the i-pace in the big hatch category as well i, no. I think we need to, I th yes but it's way too low to be a crossover mm. no Ho hold you on see, hold i on. don't think jaguar would like us to call their very exquisite electric car a hatchback because i thought about this when i was writing my review and i just thought oh no i can't actually just call this a hatchback because a hatchback sounds like a so thirty thousand euro car doesn't it big hatch neil 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 and caroline just hold on a second though isn't this neil the entire problem that you have with suvs because they make up their own friggin rules okay none of them are for very few of them are four-wheel drive uh, they're all about not being utility vehicles right and that's the big problem but they make up their own rules right so it's yeah. like you said to me i can actually quote you right when i spoke to you about the mustang Mach-E, episode one season one of drive talking you said no if ford Call it a Mustang, it's a Mustang. So if Kia call it an SUV or a crossover, it's a crossover. If Hyundai call it a CUV, it's a CUV. These are your rules, Neil. 
I think I think the phrase I'm searching for is hoist by my own petard. Um, <laughs> all right, fair play. I still don't, I I disagree with them and technically myself, but it's a big they're big hatches. But there you go. <laughs> okay, um, listen very quickly. The Cooper Roundup. Um, they've had big days this week um, with plenty of news coming out. Um, so what have we got? When are they coming? And are we looking forward to seeing them? Yeah, I think we are. I, again, Cooper has a kind of, it's got a nice vibe about it at the moment, doesn't it? Um, it it's um, it's a bit of a new model explosion because we knew that they had the, this kind of sexy uh, crossover SUV, big hatch, whatever you want to call it, uh, electric thing called the Tapascan coming down the tubes. That's coming next year or 2024. Uh, they've now said they're going to have a Terramar, which is going to be based on the same platform as the next-gen Audi Q3. It's going to be a plug-in hybrid with a 100-kilometer electric range. They're going to restyle the uh, four-mentor crossover and the, uh, the their version of the Leon hatchback, so they'll be much more visually distinct from Seat, um, which I'm not so keen on. I really, really like the, the, the four-mentor and the way it looks. And I think it's a bit of a shame, actually, that they're going to they're going to put this pointy new Cooper nose on it. And I don't, I've, I've seen a kind of a slightly rubbish photograph of it, and it doesn't look great. Uh, well, again, it's a bad photo, but you know, I like the way the the Formenter looks, so I'm, I'm a bit disappointed in that. And they're they're going to bring out a small. I mean, it's kind of a small hatchback, but it's they're they're needless to say billing it as an urban crossover. Um, <laughs> how dare you, Dara Otuma? The word crank has just appeared in the chat box. <laughs> uh, Neil, come on, come on. L- l- listen, it's, it's one of the beauties about Cooper, right? It, it's okay. So, say, say it is a great car, uh, and I'm saying that very seriously. Say it is a great, great car, right? But there's Dave Humphreys, uh, episode one, and the spin off episode afterwards, uh kind of alluded to he's of the opinion that say it is day day it's it's goodbye for say it quite soon not not straight away but quite soon right um the thing is like with polestar that we spoke about a moment ago i'm sure cooper are in search of their own identity right so to bring in their longer bonnets things like that their nose everything else like that i think that it's inevitable and it's nearly a must and like with let's say um even the likes of the 2010 BMW, I can't think of number E60 or whatever it is, when that came through, people were questioning it. It was like, oh, this is a big step away from what we had beforehand. And now we're moving into this. But now that makes sense. And I think that Cooper, if they're playing a long game, what they're doing now is introducing stuff that's part of their design for the future. Or am I just talking Yang? Are you about to write back to me here in this chat, are you? Neil Briscoe is a child, ladies and gentlemen. Um, He's a crank. <laughs> he, he, he is rightly put by Caroline Kidd a crank. A professional contrarian. Isn't that what they usually call them in a paper like the, the time? <laughs> I go for that, yeah. <laughs> I believe I believe the phrase used to be shock jock, but that was that was in the days before podcasts. Oh yes. Oh yes. Always controversial. Oh, I like uh, yeah, and he's learned how to write in Zoom, cranky pants. Okay. Um, right, folks, that was the news roundup for this week. And do you know what, guys? I love the fact that we're back. This is such yeah. great fun. It was a great week off and it was well deserved, but it's good to be back. Um, right, we didn't put out any readers' questions this week, or did either of you actually do it? Because I didn't, if I'm being honest. 
No, I kind of forgot to. Sorry. Did we did we get any listeners' complaints? None whatsoever. We could whatsoever. read those out. We could read the hate mail. <laughs> we, we, we got no hate mail. Um, but what I do request as homework for all three of us for next week is we, we put out those questions again. And ladies and gentlemen, yeah. please, look, we're, we're, I'm sorry, Caroline, and I'm sorry to myself as well. Look, a lot of you seem to be attracted to Neil M. Briscoe's uh, Twitter account or his Twitter handle. If you have any questions that come to mind while you're listening to this podcast please send them on we will discuss them um, or we'll try our best to discuss them it depends on Neil's mood on the day Caroline's mood on the day <laughs> and you know how I'm feeling divas, divas. Not, okay. to, not to mention Catherine and Nigel Catherine and Nigel yes our, our, our alter egos okay let's move on um, so ladies and gentlemen it's time for reviews as you'll know every single week here on Drive Talking we do review a certain number of cars um, around the country from various brands etc 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 so let's start out with the first car of this week on my list we'll start off with the beep test this one comes from Caroline Kidd and the Suzuki S-Cross this week's beep test is the Suzuki S-Cross so here's beep Here's beep beep. And here's sitting on the horn for three seconds beep. So yeah, I'm not really that impressed with that. It's a little bit comical, isn't it? It's quite squeaky. So Suzuki could do better on horns, I think. Now, Caroline, I got to say, I am actually a fan of Suzuki. I I admire what they do. Um, They do some great stuff. But that's possibly the cheapest and most plastic <laughs> horn that I have heard yet on Drive Talking. I totally agree. It's so squeaky. It's comical, isn't it? I it laugh is. to myself now when I press that. Um, it's pathetic. It, I, I'm sorry, Suzuki, <laughs> but it's like a toy car. But worse. In, 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 the, in the column of learning something new every day, I didn't realize home bargains made car horns. Oh, burn! Neil Briscoe is burning today. Okay, uh, the Suzuki S-Cross. It, it's been quite a while since I've driven one, um, but what I do recall, but now, look, in terms of style, it's not there, but in terms of, of the car itself, what it does and everything else, I actually quite enjoyed that car. Caroline, tell me what it's like now. So this is the new generation S-Cross. So it's got a new look and it's a little bit more rugged and distinct than what it was and yeah, it's got a really good standard specification. So it goes on sale from about twenty nine thousand euro, three six five. So that's a five seat SUV for the wondrous thing of being less than thirty thousand euro, which is quite an achievement in today's market. Now it's certainly not as glamorous though to look at as say a Qashqai or a Sportage. So. It is more of a budget SUV, but it's very well equipped. Lots of safety equipment from standard. It's very comfortable and it's very efficient as well. It only weighs about a little over 1200 kilograms. So it will be lighter than your cash guys and your sportages Mm. and that kind of thing. Are are they hybrid as standard or I know there's a 1.4 booster jet engine. Are they all hybrid? So it's powered by, it's a 1.4 mild hybrid uh, petrol engine so yeah that's but look it is it is relatively efficient i have to say now there is a full hybrid coming before the end of the year okay sorry i i don't want to move off this review yet but i do want to mm. get this out of the way now with both of you okay so 
Okay, so there's hybrids, there's EVs, and there's mild hybrids. Now, by my recollection, a mild hybrid, if I'm being completely honest, every time I drove it, I was like, I, I just don't get this. I, I don't get this. Just drive efficiently. Like, I mean, what's the point? Um, do you guys see, like, have they advanced since my last test drive in 2017? Has Does mild hybrid actually mean anything, a benefit anymore? It's debatable. I mean, a mild hybrid is basically, it's an upgunned stop-start system, essentially. Uh, they, I mean, they do a little bit more in, in terms of they can mm. do a bit of tor torque infill when you're accelerating. So that when you accelerate hard, the little, the little electric motor that's included with a, with a mild hybrid kit can, can kick in a bit of extra torque and power, which does help, particularly if you've got a small engine. But there, there was some maths that came out a couple of years ago from a company called Emissions Analytics, which, hey, guess what? They analyze vehicle emissions. Um, and they said that according to their calculations, and I should push my imaginary glasses up my nose when I say that, um, that if everybody drove a mile, if we replaced every car on the road with a mild hybrid, we would hit our CO2 em uh, emissions targets. So that was kind of interesting. I don't know how mm -hmm. genuinely true that is or whether it's just a mathematical exercise that, that wouldn't really play out in the real world. I kind of suspect that's what it is. But uh, you can, I mean, they do help with efficiency, but I just think, you know, there's, if, yeah, I think, you know, at, at least a full hybrid is what you need these days. And really, you know, you should be looking at going fully electric as and, as and when you can. Okay. Yeah, it's marginal, I would say. And this car is so light anyway. I, I, I think it does just fine anyway with a, a petrol engine. Okay. My apologies for going, getting sidetracked. I just had to bring it up as I saw, as yeah, I saw the opportunity point. to do it. Okay, so apart from the, the, the pl very plastic blower on the car. Um, <laughs> Look, the plastic theme continues okay. inside, <laughs> I have to say. Okay, okay. so it is quite, um, maybe plastic. utilitarian is the word, or robust is the kind way of putting it. It's not the most glamorous car it doesn't have a huge amount of character and that's from a brand that produces the Jimny and the Vitara. So it's fine, but it doesn't have a huge amount of charisma, this car. I, 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 that I matters used, to you. I, I, I used to love when, um, where, you know, you'd be, you'd be reviewing these cars with very plasticky interiors and they'd come out, the marketing line was, yeah, hard-wearing materials, hard-working, hard-wearing plastics. Like, ah, so that explains why it doesn't look great and doesn't feel great and everything else like that. Um, in, in terms of price, what are we talking about for this, Carla? So it starts at 29,365 and that's a car you could actually buy and be happy with. It's got 17-inch alloys and lots mm. of safety equipment. So there's no hidden charges you don't have to pay like 35 grand to get aircon yeah. or something like that it's a good car for that price and tell me this what about the tech inside i, I know it's full of ads adas equipment and all the rest so it's yeah. safe everything else like that but in terms of equipment inside like okay so what one of my memories of the vitara which once again i, I really like that car i really do right um but they had this kind of touch screen going on but once again didn't have great graphics didn't feel great, didn't work great all the time. Has that improved? It's improved, but it's still quite old fashioned, I have to say. But it's got Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So I'm using my phone interface anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But the actual system itself, 
it does look quite old, I have to say, the graphics. Okay, so you talked about a lack of character there. So let's talk about the actual mm. driving performance and things like that. Does the drive lack character as well? Um, or is there anything interesting? Like, once again, Suzuki are good at fun cars. Jimny yeah, is your prime example. Your Swift was a great example. Um, is there mm. anything fun about it? Or just car? It's just... Meh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty unremarkable, I have to say, in the drive, because I've had great fun. Like the Swift is just excellent fun, um, even the Vitara. But no, this is just like it doesn't do anything wrong, but I suppose unremarkable is the word. Yeah. So it's a bit like Neil Briscoe's uh, review of the Audi A3 in her last one, which was, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Sound maybe. Hmm. hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> right. So we got price out of the way. Okay. We know what's wrong with it. I'm going to pay it one compliment. I like its nose. I really like the nose of the car itself. I think it looks, it looks nice. On Compliments the nose. to the surgeon on that nose job then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Paul, I was like, Jesus, you're not calling me the surgeon now, but no, you meant the designer. Okay. That's perfect. And uh, I suppose my next question is who are they up against? What's, what's the rival? So they, they say, you know, Kashkai and Sportage, but I think it's somewhere between the B and C segment really in terms of the the size and even the visual presence of the car. So I think it's closer to something like a Renault Capture or a Peugeot 2008, really, I think. Wow, so they're way mm. off market. Um, yeah, I would have put well, the Vitara against the Qashqai as opposed to... As opposed to mm, the Vitara the is smaller than the S-Cross. You're joking. Yeah, is it, it is. Yeah, Vitara wow. is quite small in the back, actually. So this would have more leg room. Um, but in terms of the visual presence of the car, I think it's more like that B segment uh, SUV. So Duster, that kind of that kind of car, I think it is a more realistic rival. What do you think, Neil? Have you had any time uh, in the S Cross? No, I haven't yet. Actually, I have it booked. It's it's coming to me in a few weeks. But I I do have a kind of overwhelming feeling of just buy a Jimny. Because mm. that's the one you, I know you can't buy a passenger chimney anymore. It's on a commercial vehicle now, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, I love, love, love the chimney, even though it's a hopeless car. I mean, driving, doing 100 kilometers an hour down the M50 is the is the actual dynamic limit of the chimney's ability. It really, you are on the ragged edge at that point. But I still love it. It's a, it's a lovely little thing. But I, I like Suzuki's as well. They make really tough cars. And I, I've always been impressed. They, even going back years, they, they were cramming standard safety equipment into their cars at a time when other people were putting it on the options list. So I, I've got a lot of time for Suzuki. Um, I saw a real life Jimny the other day, as in one that wasn't a press car the other day. And I actually cheered when it drove by. I was like, yay! <laughs> at the window was open, so they possibly heard this, yay! Going by them. But I was like, yes, it's a Jimny. It's lovely. Okay. Um, Time for our next beep test. Uh, this one's coming from a van. Wait till you hear. Well, we're in the uh, Volkswagen Transporter uh, today. Uh, yes, a van, but this is a really cool van because it's kind of battleship grey and it's got a, huge, a really kind of chunky, sporty body kit by German tuning company, ABT or ABD if you prefer. Um, but we're going to do a quick beep test. So this is a van. It should have a good 
heavy going beat, get people out of your way. When you're in a hurry, you've got to deliver stuff. You've got to get to that carpentry job. Let's see. That's beep. That's beep, beep. And that this is, hey, buddy. It's okay. It's maybe it's a little bit, meh. I think that's that's not half aggressive enough considering what this van looks like. I, I think you're not going to be you're going to be scared of that. People are scared of vans, aren't they? I am very van like. I would have said Neil. Like I mean, that to well, me that to me is a van beep, and and I'm actually okay, okay with it. Okay, you see, I have to tell you a story now. We 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 have to we have to. Can we do the wibbly wobbly screen effect thing that in, indicates we're going back into the mists of time? Because my dad had a transit when I was a kid. I was about seven or eight because he was an electrical contractor. So he had a he had a big grey Mark One transit, and he once uh, caught me to come downstairs, come down to the front garden where the transit was parked, asked me to stand in front of it, and then basically said, "Watch this." And he'd fitted it with some kind of ridiculous, loud, heavy truck horn that he'd somehow acquired. And he pulled the lever on it, and this thing goes, and I scared the hell out of me. I started crying. <laughs> the poor guy felt so guilty about it. But uh, ever since then, that's what I think a van should sound like. So this sounds a bit weak to me, even though it's actually quite a quite a reasonable, loud beep. It's uh, it's not uh, it's not wah enough. So it doesn't sound like a trip, but but see, to, to to me, one of the things about um van van beep. God, I can't believe we're spending so much time on this particular van beep. By the way, I love the fact that you nearly held it for three seconds. That was the longest beep test you've done yet. But um, there was me, a guy, there was a guy in a British gas van about three spaces down from me in the car park <laughs> who was clearly trying to have a lunchtime kip and was very very annoyed. Yes, but 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 to me, it, to me, it actually just rings of van. Uh, to be honest with you, it just smacks it, it smacks mm. of the van. Um, listen, I I asked you this uh, off air, Neil. Um, so I I actually think that the transport's fantastic. Uh, obviously, look, we, if you were to do a poll, everyone's going to say the Transit is the best van in the world, right? Probably. Um, however, I think that the best built, as in the most comfortable van in the world. In my opinion, uh, when I'm talking mass production here, it's either that transporter or the veto or something like that. But I think the transport transporter is beautifully made. Um, but I was surprised when you told me that we're still on T6. We're not on yeah. T7 yet. I think this is T6.1 now, isn't it? But the only reason I'm driving this is because someone in the in the Volkswagen commercial vehicles department obviously had some spare budget to spend at the end of last year because this thing has been driven through the uh, ABT or ABD, if you prefer, the German tuning company's workshop and all of the body kit parts have stuck to it. Uh, it looks really awesome. It's got like little aero flicks in front of the wheels. It's really awesome. It's a, it's a bit like the A-Team van. That's the only reason I'm driving it. Um, because I don't normally drive vans all that much. It's also got, I forgot to say, it's also got like a full workshop in the back with like slide out shells and a vice and and little storage trays for your screws and bolts and things. Well, so it's, was, a, was it's a that, pretty... Was that designed by Volkswagen or was it that a third party company coming in, fitting out the, like are Volkswagen doing that themselves now? Because I know traditionally what would happen is somebody would just buy an empty panel van and they'd go in and say, okay, fit it out to somebody. Is Volkswagen doing the panel fitting or the the... No idea. Yeah, because they, they, they'll 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 do whatever you want for them. Uh, okay. But it it it's all uh, worth W R T H bits that have been uh, bolted Ooh. on and, and and fitted. In. So it's all quite high quality. Um, it ain't cheap. That van sitting outside right now, 
with its Audi battleship grey paintwork and 20-inch alloys, black alloys. <laughs> Honestly, it's like a pretend A-team van, which is just glorious. Uh, it's 64,000 euros. Yeah. 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 And it's not as good to drive as a Transit. It's 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 improved. It doesn't rattle and clatter as much as the previous Transporter, uh, but the 20-inch wheels banjacks the ride quality. Uh, and it's just, yeah, the Transit... That genuinely does feel more car-like to drive, but as a van, it does all the things you want a van to do. It's big and square and roomy and carries. I think it's uh, well, it'll tow up to three and a half ton. It'll it'll yeah. hold a couple of Euro pallets, whatever you need it to do. So it, it does all the vanny things. But I'm just driving around, enjoying looking cool in it. Yeah, and I'd say you look <laughs> awesome. I'd say you, like you, you got that BA Baracus look going on whenever you put on your jewellery and all the rest, man. Yeah, looking pretty cool. But that look, look what, I appreciate a good band now, if I'm being completely honest with you. I used to love that. And another one I loved was the Crafter. I thought the Crafter was another phenomenal car. I'd kind of disagree with you. And I and look, sorry, I'm not disagree, arguing for the sake of argument. I thought, yeah, he's pointing at me. I thought that the... Um, that the transporter was a better drive than the transit and and sorry this is the beauty of what we do okay it, it's like again it's opinions and everything else like that but i actually thought it drove more car like than the transit as well now maybe if you put on 20 inch alloys onto it and you are 20 inch wheels or whatever onto it you're going to get a different quality of ride but i actually felt that the first time i drove a t6 i was like jesus it's like stepping into a golf an old golf um but i used to love it caroline any thoughts on the on the volkswagen transporter versus the ford transit oh gosh I, vans don't do it for me i have to say dara but you but, but you've most likely driven them you've most likely driven them both at some God, i actually haven't would wow. you believe yeah don't do vans it's great i've got there's like there there's about four sets of builders up and down my road at the moment and i am loving cruising up and down the street and making them all feel bad about their old ratty white vans so it's well, it's really good fun oh man yours I, is I, cool i have to say the one you have this week neil i drive that definitely you should it's really good <laughs> are, are the photos on twitter yeah uh have i posted i don't think i've posted them yet no i will do no. i will do thank you for Excellent. reminding me it's good this, live podcasting folks okay now from one van to another folks this is our next uh review but we're going to start off with the hand slipped uh beep test this folks is not a van it's the bmw i4 m50 okay we are in the bmw i4 m50 that's the little startup noise you're hearing now um and we're going to do the beep test so here's beep <laughs> Oh, that was beep beep. Sorry, my hand slipped. Here's beep. And here's, hey, buddy. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, for a high-performance electrical car, that's got a reasonably good note to it. It's it's actually quite deep. There's a little bit of bass to it, I think. It's not too much treble. It's certainly not too ragged. Yeah, I think for your for your 77,000 euro, which is the minimum price for an i4 M50, I don't think you'd feel too short-changed by that. I thought that was a really good horn. It weighs as much as a van. It's two point two tons that car. Wow, that's yeah. all battery weight, though, isn't it? It's all battery. It's, it's an it's an eighty point seven kilowatt hour battery. So yeah. Wow. What do we think of it, Neil? I think it looks stunning, BTW. I, I think it just looks. It amazing. does. It's 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 got that matte frozen blue paint job on it, 
which is far, as, as, according to the guys at BMW, it's the only one in the country that has that paint at the moment. There's a very good reason for that. You can't put it through a car wash. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was I was told not to. Um, but it is it's a okay. It's a car that's left me feeling slightly perplexed because it's really, 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 really good. Yeah. But I don't know if it's really, 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 really good enough. Um, it does a lot of things really well. It's 544 horsepower, four-wheel drive, zero to 100 kilometers an hour in uh, 3.9 seconds. So it's bonkers quick. Yeah. Uh, it does a similar thing to that Audi e-tron GT RS that it, it, you, know, you flatten the accelerator and it makes you feel like the blood's draining from your feet and your face. Um, but it, it, it's got an M badge and that, that sets up certain expectations. And I don't think it's quite nippy enough on its feet to be an M car just yet. It's, I think it's 90% there, but it hasn't gone that last little bit to justify being an M car. And I think probably the standard rear wheel drive I4 is, is, is probably the better buy than this because I don't think it's doing enough over what the standard car does. That said, loved it. And it, and it, it, that classic litmus test of Monday morning came around. I didn't want to give it back. Oh, and, and I'm not surprised looking at it. However, however, there's something typical about what you just said there, Neil. Um, you really are the sensible buy, aren't you? It's like, go back to the sensible buy. Um, oh yeah, but, always. But, but the, now you did that with the RS e-tron as well, right? But you're going back to the sensible buy on this because it's just not M enough. I think it's nearly there. It's so close. I think also there's, there's a slight problem um, because I had the car. The guys at BMW very kindly uh, arranged for me to go down to uh, Frank Keen BMW to drive a couple of their classic M cars, the M1 and the E30 M3. Uh, and the E30 M3 goes down as one of the best things I've ever driven, possibly the best. I'd never driven one until last week, yeah. astonishingly. Uh, and it, it, it's as close to perfect as a car can be, as far as I'm concerned. So th- th- there's kind of there's, there's 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 a kind of unfair comparison being made because the the i4 M50 could never be that car. It's just it's it's not even apples and oranges. It's apples and computer chips. You know, it's um, it's a totally different species of thing. So it, it it's unfair to go and say that it can't be the E30 M3 because of course it can't. But I'm just I, I I'm just, okay. Remember we a couple of weeks. I'm sorry. I know I'm going on. A couple of weeks ago, we we got asked that question about how do you test a car? What do you do? What do you go through? And we were kind of Caroline and I were kind of saying you kind of know within the first few hours really what a car is generally like and after that it's nuance and detail i still don't know what that i4 or m50 is genuinely like i still haven't got it worked out in my head it, it's it's a very intriguing car in that respect but but to compliment you we do know that you didn't want to give it back yeah uh, really it, it, it worked its way under my skin it's got decent but not brilliant range they claim 511 kilometers i couldn't get it to do better than 400 which was a little bit disappointing uh, but in fairness it charges up very quickly so there's you know swings and roundabouts in that respect well it's a funny thing though if you drive it like it's meant to be driven i don't think you're going to be even reaching 400 kilometers an hour or 400 kilometers an hour 400 kilometers range um look a couple of questions you nearly had the perfect tee up for the interview with ian Beatty. Uh, because you're talking about the yeah, okay, you know what I'm talking about here, right? Anyway, um, couple of more questions. Price, 
the one I was driving was €89,000 because it had options, including that frozen blue paintwork, which is pretty pricey. And there was a tech pack in it that, that was nudging €3,000. Uh, you can get an i4 M50 for 77000 though, which which is pretty good, actually. That's 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 about what you'd pay for a Tesla Model 3 performance. So it's it's bang on the money in terms of competitiveness. Okay, and I think you've just named our rivals, which are Tesla Model Model Three Performance. Would you do you you wouldn't throw the Etron or S Etron in there as well? Would the you know the Etron's minimum minimum thirty grand more expensive. Okay. So it's you know it, yes, in terms of performance, it's a rival, but not in terms of price. Okay, and in terms of which one you choose, the Tesla or the uh, Beamer? Uh, the BMW, because it'll still work in three weeks' time. Oh. I've been getting this vein off you from the last few weeks, not the one popping out of your head, but this this kind of thread where you dislike Tesla. Uh, and do you know what? We have to tackle that. We need to talk about this, Neil. But, I but don't not, dislike... Not, I, no, no, I don't dislike Tesla. I, I think they make some amazingly good cars. I think their batteries and motors are best in class. I think their build quality is still way too flaky and they get away with... Do you know what they are? Tesla is the modern TVR. They make cars which aren't ready for sale and then push them out and get the customers to finish the testing. That's That was always the TVR way as well. Uh, and I think like TVR, they're going to have problems because now that you know the likes of Audi and Mercedes and BMW are catching up with them in the same way that when Porsche started making the original Boxster and, and BMW started making the Z4 and Mercedes started making the SLK, that knocked the window of TVR's business case. So yeah, I think, yeah, Tesla is the new TVR. There we go. That's, that's, my, that's, my, that's my sub box for this week okay now we're what's, do the, what's delorean <laughs> is delorean going to be oh, the new tesla oh dear no delorean oh dear. is the new delorean so yeah. presumably you know factory in belfast and the, the boss will get arrested at some point yeah i think if we were going on build quality of deloreans i don't think it'd be too great either lads um okay let's move on to the interview this week's uh well actually last week ladies and gentlemen uh mr neil briscoe went out to talk to one ian Beatty. uh lovely interview here um this was nicely edited by me you're welcome neil i'd love the few slip-ups that you had in the way throughout it thank uh, you but this is ian Beatty talking about the bmw m1 pro car at Goodwood. Right, well, today we are in the Martin Berain collection down at Mondello Park, just outside Nace. And this is the collection that the late, great Martin Berain, owner of both Mondello and, for a long time, Lola Cars, built up over the years. There is some astonishing machinery in here from an RS200 rally car to a Lola T70 Spider to a couple of Jordan Formula One cars to a Porsche 962. I'm rambling on now. But here we are with one of the stars of the collection, the BMW M1 Pro car. And I'm talking to Ian Beatty, who is the, he's from Mondello Park, and he is the custodian and sometime driver of this amazing machine. Uh, Ian, just for listeners who don't know, what is an M1 Pro car? Well, an M1 Pro car is um, very loosely based on what people would know as the M1 uh, road car, but the Pro car is the race version. It was, uh, came out as a series that ran alongside Formula One races and went around all the circuits with the Formula One, and some of the Formula One drivers actually raced in the series on the morning of a race day. So, like, the weekend just gone, we had Monaco Grand Prix, so at about 11 o'clock in the morning, we would have had a full grid, maybe 30 M1 Pro cars raced together. So, spectacular racing. Um, they're a lot lighter and faster more horsepower than the road going car uh, and the, in period these would have been driven by the likes of Nicky Lauda and Keki Rosberg and Alain Prost and this one was driven by the great Hans J. Stuck uh, multiple Le Mans winner and sports car ace but you've 
driven this car at Goodwood for the anniversary of the car, haven't you? What was that like? That must have been an amazing experience. It was fantastic. I was very lucky because 2019 marked 40 years of the M1 Pro Car Championship. It was also the year of my 40th birthday. So to get to go to celebrate both <laughs> at the one occasion was fantastic. So we had a, a lot of M1 Pro Cars from over the world. BMW Group Classic uh, brought two themselves and uh, we ran them at Goodwood at the 77th members meeting. Um, so we got to run on the actual track. Uh, it was brilliant, really, really good. We were led, it was a demo race, so we were led in a McLaren road car um, by uh, a very famous driver, uh, no, no less than uh, Jochen Mass, who uh, led us out. So it, it was far from tame. <laughs> uh, I can just say he, he was, we were holding on, or working to hold on to Jochen Mass around the circuit. That's a fast circuit. So we were out Saturday and Sunday, and it was fantastic. But it was the first time to really get to stretch the legs on the car because done a few laps in the car in Mandela Park and it's quite technical here and um, it's still a fantastic lovely car really well balanced sure-footed but to get to really open it up and right up you know top gear out the back of Goodwood was fantastic and being surrounded at M1 Pro Cars in front of you and M1 Pro Cars behind you so uh, yeah it was really really special. Do you ever get nervous driving something like this because I mean it, they are this is a genuine rarity. There is a handful of these still running in the world. So when you strap it on, is, is there still butterflies in the stomach taking it out on track? Yeah, a little bit. You know, you just have to be conscious of that. I, you know, it is easy to forget the value of some of the cars, and we're very lucky to get to drive them. So, you know, huge mechanical sympathy goes into it. Take it easy in the car. Let it, you know, warm up. But then, of course, once you've done a few laps, you start to forget all that and just think you're in a racing car um, but no you're always conscious of what, what you're driving uh, it's a special car and a very valuable car um, but I mean it's like another race car too once you're out there it's really enjoyable great car and the, the 3.5 straight six that's in the back of these in, in road trim they were what about 300 horsepower something like I that I think they were about 280-300 yeah they're, they're closer to it's 470 in the race cars and some of them that went on to race in GT Endurance Series and all up them further up over 500 horsepower so what's it like to crack open the taps on, on 470 horsepower of 40 year old race car it's great it's, it's deafening inside the car it is really loud it's straight pipes out of the engine um, and it's, it, it makes an incredible noise. It's a, it's a lovely noise, and the downshifts are lovely. It's a dog-like gearbox, so first, if you're used to a traditional gear stick, first is where second would be on a road car. So you just have to remember that, and I found as when I'm driving this car, I nearly taught myself through the gears, because you just gotta be really conscious. You're, you're going up a gear instead of down a gear. Um, but it, it, it's, it's a really nice car to drive. Um, the best thing about it is the balance. You can really play with the car. It's, really, it's a little bit on the soft side, but it's a nice, um, car it doesn't snatch it, you don't feel like it's going to try and throw you off the track at any stage and um, they're, they're a superb car really good handling and I, I mean it's I mean it's the classic question of you know what's your favorite child is this your favorite car in the collection yeah for me yeah if, it, if one day I could afford to buy one or one was for sale it would be the M1 Pro car without a shadow of a doubt um, it's probably one that I've done the most mileage in too I've driven it a good few times now and um, that and the uh, IndyCar T90 um, which is a special car too but this I would prefer it's the most fun I can really enjoy it brilliant Ian Beattie thank you so much thank you I love that interview Neil I like I really thought it was good and I was on joking about slip up at start like it's nicely edited out but you, you did a great job with him oh no um, I had a, I had a, well what you edited out was I had a total brain fart and I literally forgot how to, how to speak for about three seconds and I just couldn't remember words for things it's next but, week's uh, promo 
The thing is, I know you're not making that up. That's the worrying part. No, no I won't um, do that. Um, but come here, Caroline, I, I need you to say something silly. Let's just say oh, anything silly. Oh, uh, we're preferably. Fart. No, one, two, three. Actually, do you know what? Yeah, no, that's what. Yeah. Okay, you got brain fart. Brain fart, cheers. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for this week's quiz. Yes, that's right. We've all been looking forward to this. Um, we are, and I can predict what's going to happen now. Caroline Kidd's going to complain that one the question was too old. For, <laughs> and Neil Briscoe is going to tell me I'm wrong on at least one occasion. Um, but, but, but let's have some fun. Now, folks, some of these are multiple choice. Um, some of these are not multiple choice. Um, so your buzzer, Caroline, is brain fart. Actually, no, let's change it. Brain. Oh, yeah. Can I change it to when I'm when I was in Germany? I always crack up when I see Ausfart. <laughs> no, do, do you know what, Caroline? I, I used to think that was a place that you could go to. Ausfart. Um, look, I, I, in many I, ways it is. I mean, philosophically speaking. <laughs> Well, I've, I've bad news for you, Caroline. I do not allow you guys to choose your own. So I've now given you a new one. When I was in Germany, okay? Because we're all sick okay. of hearing about it by now. Right, so yours is when I was in Germany. And um, Neil Briscoe, yes, you a quote directly from you. Actually, it's quotes from both of you. But this one came from Neil Briscoe, which is, that's just marketing gumph. <laughs> Try it. That's, that's just marketing gumph. No, gumph is what you said. Gumph, gumph is not a word. I didn't say gumph. I wrote it Forrest down as gumph? you said it. Gumph. My name is Forrest Gumph. Oh, okay, so is it bump or gumph? Because if you say bump, it wrong... B- okay, B-U-M-F. Okay. B-U-M-P-F? <laughs> you're, you're, it's not a real word. You're going to have to get elocution lessons, Neil. That's what you're going to have to do. Okay, uh, let's go. Okay, so your buzzers are ready. So remember, Caroline Kidd, when I was in Germany and Neil Briscoe, that's just marketing bump. Okay, gumph, whatever it was. Uh, about how many cars does it take to build the average car? Is it 10,000? Is it 30,000? Is it 50,000 or 100,000? Uh, I've given you four choices. <laughs> just marketing bump, 10,000. Uh-uh, Caroline Kidd. <clears throat> 50,000. Jesus, she's our boat wrong. It was 30,000, right? The one in the middle. Like, you know? Okay. Which of these facts? Now, given we're a show that loves, um, you know, uh, the beep tests and everything else like that, uh, this is a question designed especially for you guys. Which of these facts about the car horn is true? Early vehicles used whistles, bells, and hand-cranked sirens to get others' attention. B, most car horns honk in the key of F. C, for years, it was illegal to honk in certain areas of New York City. Uh, I'm going to go with... Oh, uh, sorry, that's just marketing, Bob. Yep. C is C is the, the false one. No. Caroline Kidd. B is which the false one. No, no, which one is true is what I'm asking. All right. Oh, which one is true? <laughs> okay. 
Listen, guys, it we're was not a, really good at two this, a, are we? Two a.m. Remember, just to remind you, two a.m. I got to bed. <laughs> okay, then you're going to hate me for this. It was a trick question. Um, all of the above is true, right? <laughs> so early vehicles did use whistles, they used bells, hand crank sirens, and more to get other people's attention. Most car horns honk in the key of F, and for Ooh. years it was illegal to honk your horn in certain areas of New York City. Okay, question number three: considered. The first car of the modern automobile age, how many Model Ts were sold during its production run? Was it 1.2 million, 9.7 million, 15 million, or 33.2 million? Oh, uh, uh, the marketing bump. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) What, do I just not get to answer this because I'm old and that gives me an unfair advantage? No, yeah. That's just marketing bump. Just say that, say it correctly, man. Just marketing bump. Okay, what's the answer? 15 million. Very good, Neil Briscoe. Okay. Uh, now, remember... I have, fast... I have had a passenger ride in a Model T. Wow. Really? What was yeah. that like? Uh, Rattly. Uh, it, was a, it was one that had like a cut-down Sportster body on it, and it, I, was, I, was, I, I was being driven up the test hill at Brooklands in Surrey in it, and it was quite good fun, but it's insanely good and complicated. No, because it's <laughs> and the wheels are nearly as high as me. It's just, I dread to think what it's like going around corners. <laughs> okay, now fastest finger first. Okay, so Caroline, I haven't heard you. You pushed a buzzer yet? Yeah. When I was in Germany, okay, it's your yeah. bad. It's your bad. When I was in Germany, I'm finding so these questions forget. are quite contrary today. Okay, okay, you ready? <laughs> yeah. Now listen up. Toyota is to Lexus as Nissan is to. When I was in Germany. Yeah. Infinity. Very good, Caroline Kidd. Okay. They're expensive and they're luxurious, but are they built to last? What percentage of Rolls-Royce vehicles ever built are still on the road? Is it 25%, 40%, 55%, or 75%? It's a great question. Oh, because you see... Now, now, sorry, I'm just going to back this up. I got this in the same place as last week, howthingsworked.com, folks, okay? Um, <laughs> and no, I, I, some of these I actually checked to make sure I have the facts correct. This one here, I assume, is an approximate number. So your options, again, are 25, 40, 55, or 75%. Rolls-Royce is still on the road. I, I would have said 75, but then maybe the fact that the silver Sorry, shadow... I, I haven't heard a buzzer yet, so I'm just going to keep my mouth... <laughs> I'm not giving an answer, I'm ruminating. Okay. Come on, guys, there's four options on the table for you. 25, 40, 55, 75. One All right, it's just marketing bump. Yeah. 55%. Nope. Ugh. Come on, Caroline, you've only got... Uh, when I was left. in Germany. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, 25%. No. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, you got to trust yourself, man. 75%, apparently, <laughs> which is testament to brilliance. That is yeah. just amazing. Um, let's give a moment silent for Rolls-Royce, our silence. Okay, that'll do. Okay, what is surprising about Ralph Teeter? Okay, credited as being the inventor of cruise control. Was he A, functionally illiterate, B, blind, C, 14 at the time he invented it, or D, he robbed banks in his youth? I should know this. (laughs) I should know this. (laughs) This is really contrary, Dara. Is this what you do at lunchtime? (laughs) (laughs) No, I stayed up all night writing these. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, uh, as, as I told you, I got that. I got the this up how things work.com. When I was in Germany. <laughs> yes, go on, Caroline. D, it's D, something with robbing banks. Nope. Uh, it's just marketing bump. Yes. Blind? Yes. Very good. Yes. Right, so I Ralph Rowe Teeter, so. born in 1890 to John H. Teeter, uh, injured his eyes at the age of five with a knife. Within a year, Ooh. he developed symp- sympathetic ophthalmia and became blind in both eyes. That's a very interesting fact on him. Okay, uh, last question. 1941, Ford unveiled a lightweight prototype car with a body made from what material? Was it A, aluminum, B, carbon fiber, C, tin, D, soybeans? When I was in Germany. Yes. A, aluminum. Oh, it's just marketing bump. Yes. It's the soybeans, isn't it? It is. And fun fact, right? They made it not just with soybeans, but with wheat and corn. Uh, It was made by a guy called Lowell E. Overly. And it was designed, and get this, right? Because this would this would in so many ways help so many of the world's problems right now. It was designed to run on hemp fuel. Now, whether or not they leave the THC within the hemp is a different story. We could all be very high very soon. But there you go. Fun fact. It would, make, it would make traffic jams a lot more relaxing, but also a lot more paranoid. <laughs> Also, you'd have to have you'd have to have like people on bicycles going up the middle of the cars handing out cookies. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, okay, um, listen, nearly in time to wrap. I just have a quick question for both of you. So I got a free gaff tonight. No, I'm not quite years over. My my wife and kids have, have left me for the weekend. What movie should I watch tonight? Oh, oh Malone. Okay, <laughs> no for Caroline. Christmas time only. Neil Briscoe. <laughs> Uh, my default is always where eagles dare. Uh, yeah, no, I've seen it, but no, not tonight. Okay, listen, you were useless. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that is this week's edition of Drives Hawking, and we are, well, I certainly am so happy to be out or to be back. Uh, very, very big thanks to Neil Briscoe and Caroline Kidd, as always, for making their effort and um, doing shite at the quiz and everything else like that. Caroline, I expect no complaining from you next week. And Neil Briscoe, you're a wonderful crank. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. Please download, share, like, do everything else like that. We'll see you all again very soon. It's just marketing, both.